Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Apps. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama love cast. Alright. <laughs> this episode they ask, do you love them? Oh. A lot. <laughs> yes, this episode is heavily themed around the idea of love. And There's how, love happening. And how does love interplay with the other relationships that you have in your life? Do you do things when you love people? Do you do things for people you don't love because you have a sense of obligation? Yeah. Uh, it is a lot going on. It is a lot going on. <laughs> there are many storylines. Yeah. And they intersect in ways that like storylines typically don't on this show. Yeah. We got, uh, we got a lot more of that whole 50s stuff going on integrated into what's happening in varying levels of success of successfulness yes. sometimes they reference things and you're like oh yeah <laughs> sometimes this show cares about racism and sometimes they don't well, i mean i think they always care about racism they just sometimes don't uh show that well do you also think sometimes they forget what race their characters are all the time all the time all the time <laughs> all the time uh <laughs> It only matters when it matters. It only matters when it matters. Uh, yeah, this it it does kind of feel like that. Like we we're gonna pick up where the last episode before last episode ended. Uh-huh. It feels like there stuff happened in the middle, which is important for this episode. But really, that one storyline they just gotta kind of stretch it out. Yeah, most people were kind of in stasis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but. Hey, you know what? The trend is holding. It's been it's been good. It's been a good time, but I still can sense the sword of Damocles hanging over this and it's gonna drop because we haven't seen Tabitha. Tabitha's still She's still space time traveling. Yeah, yeah. 50s Tabitha is off uh doing a tour uh, about racism and And our Tabitha is somewhere <laughs> in some time. Uh, our Tabitha. <laughs> our angel Tabitha. Yeah. Man, I don't want to think about, like, did like why is there another Tabitha if what they did? It's fine. They, they have completely admitted that this whole time travel thing is weird. Yeah, it's like they've gone, we don't understand this, so. Well, well I, I, and I think that's honestly fine. It's honestly fine to be like, look, it's weird. They kind of travel through time. They kind of also just entered an alternate world, and there's not duplicates of them, but there is a duplicate of Tabitha. Don't worry Don't about worry it. Don't worry about it. Also, we're going to make everyone forget about it because that's not interesting to us. <laughs> no, what we wanted to do was repilot for the last season. <laughs> this does feel like, um, like a new girl when they did a five-year time skip, right? which they also did in this. Yeah. Classic. But, but it, this is a much more aggressive repiloting. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they went, wait, this is the show people wanted. Because let me tell you, audience, I think this, no, I mean, the show I wanted was The Dumpster Fire we've watched for the past six years. That's why we have a podcast. Yeah. But if I wanted to watch a good show, this is the show I wanted. Well, if this is the show you want, let's get into it. Because this is season seven, episode four, Love. I never said the name of the of the show. I always say the name of the show. <laughs> oh God! This is Riverdale season seven, episode four: Love and Marriage. Love and Marriage. goes together like a horse and carriage? 
I did not know there were more lyrics to that song. So uh, we begin where we ended with Jughead, Ethel, the Fell Twins, and the Sheriff um, interrogating them in the, uh, I guess just in... In the principal's office. And, and the, the Sheriff says shockingly little in this interrogation it's mostly the school being like "Ooh, morals you did an amoral thing well hang on this drugs your parents did you kill your parents also got this comic book you two murderers and they're like what finally jughead's like wait a second we need a lawyer what is this (laughs) get us a lawyer and then then daddy keller's like Oh, yeah, let's go downtown. Keller is constantly befuddled by the concept of law (laughs) and order in this episode. Look, Keller was never a great sheriff. (laughs) He is worse in the 1950s. Yeah, so he he kind of perp walks Jughead and Ethel down. They're not handcuffed, so they just leave with it. And Veronica, because now she's... Cares about Jughead. Cares about Jughead. He's like, Jughead, what's happening? And Jughead's like, hey, girl, we're being railroaded. We're being railroaded. Veronica's (laughs) What? Huh. Storyline for me? <laughs> I guess I can get involved in this. This actually seems like something that could be fun and evolve me as a character and show things about me. Ooh. Man, I'm honestly a bit upset how much I enjoy jo- Veronica. Oh, God. They're so good together. The, like, well, Here's this, 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 the, the one thing that I always, that I want to give about this season seven is the characters that I, that I, don't like I like a lot more in their 50s version uh-huh. they done a, they did a real good job of with this reset of giving us like them in different ways and giving us motivations for things yeah I'm still eh, on Veronica because I still think she should be a loser and I still think she is I think- and I think that shoe's gonna drop that's why she likes Jughead so much yeah because they're both losers um, uh, speaking of losers Julian. <laughs> Remember, remember last episode where Julian was like, hey, Archie, you should date my sister. She is easy. Now he's like, oh, how, how dare you date my sister? Don't she's you, easy. Don't you know she's easy? And Archie's like, what? Huh? And Jughead's like, or sorry, Jughead, oh my God. Archie's Julian. like, excuse me? And Julian's like, you slept with her. You Well, I I love this 1950s slang. It gets weird sometimes, but he's like, <laughs> you went all the way. And Archie's like, hold on a second. And it's just like we suspected. Archie did not go all the way. He sure didn't. Cher- he did give Cheryl a hickey, I guess. But I don't think that's because he kissed her neck a lot. I think that's because he is bad at kissing someone's neck. <laughs> yeah, potentially. Uh, he's like, no. We didn't. So he goes to Cheryl and it's like, Cheryl, why are you telling everyone we went all the way? We just like kissed a bunch. And she's like, look at my neck. And he's like, oh, yeah, oh, I guess that does count as sex <laughs> for me. And then Cheryl's like, look, Archie, I'm in trouble. Which is a lie, but also isn't a lie. I mean, it, what I don't think. Yeah, she does use the word trouble, but mostly what she's like trying to get at here is like, like, and he doesn't know exactly what. And he won't ask exactly what. No, because, because he's, he's Archie. He's a very Archie nice guy. But Cheryl's like, you're you're protecting me by doing this. I have things and you're, like, what we know as the audience is that her mother suspects she's that gay. she's gay. Um, and Archie is being a beard for her. But all Archie know- knows is, is that this, is this lie her. protects Cheryl. It's just a little white lie, and I'm I'll get to protect someone, and we know Archie. Even it was even clear with 1950s Archie. Every Archie just wants to help. Archie people. needs to protect someone, and Archie will protect. When Archie protects someone, 
Oh boy, he protects them. But we're not there yet. No. First, Kevin Keller has to give that sex bug back to Betty. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, fun fact, everyone. It snowed in Vancouver where they filmed this. <laughs> and they tried <laughs> and to pretend it didn't, but no, boy, no, they, didn't. no, they didn't. They, they, they did it. And it's good that they didn't try to pretend it didn't. They didn't spend all that time shoveling up snow. It just snowed last night. It's Fine. It's September in New York State. It could totally snow there. This was it, probably like this was this was January in Vancouver. Yeah. Well, this was 1950s. This was you know there there's this is before global warming. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Kevin did read the book and he's figured out and what uh, Betty wants. And he has decided like oh wait it's the 1950s I can just do. I want to wait until marriage. And Betty's like, I don't. <laughs> and so he made the ultimatum yeah. and she broke up with him. And, I mean, like, he, yeah, I guess that is an ultimatum. He didn't yeah. he didn't frame it like an ultimatum. He just said, I want to wait until marriage. And she's like, I don't want to wait until marriage. And I am of two minds about this. Um, Obviously. No. Okay. So... We give, like, conventional wisdom to girls yeah. that, like, if you don't want to have sex with someone, don't. Yeah. And the g- good guys will wait for you. Yeah. The other side of that coin is it is okay to want to have sex. Yeah. And it is okay to want to be with someone who wants to have sex. Yeah. No, I, I don't think they're, uh, there's any criticism of Betty deciding to break up with him here. It's actually perfectly reasonable. Like, this is – they did it in an unfortunately very strained way and it, and do it, and in the 50s where there's not this language for it. But they set boundaries. Like, he said, I want to wait until marriage. And Betty said, I don't want to wait until marriage. That's a perfectly fine reason to maybe not pursue totally. it. Especially when, like, they've been dating for two, two months. Year- oh, two, two years. Oh, they said two years. I think. I, yeah. No, no, no. Alice said that. That's two years. And I think they were friends – for two years, and then they dated, like... Well, no, like, this is high school. Well, no, but... She, In high school, you can date for a long time. Well, she said... And not have sex. I mean, they only just have started going steady, so... 1950s is weird. I, I think I think the idea was that they were best friends for a long time, and then Alice... Decided they were decided dating. Decided they were dating, because she is very invested in this She's relationship. She's extremely heteronormative. Um, I... I, 1950s slang is insane because the way that Betty breaks up with him is she says, I guess we're not going steady anymore. And I'm like, so does it mean you're broken up or have you like... Have you gone you, back to have the you stage reverted you were in before? To pre-steady? Ste- no, they've broken up. And so here's the thing that I want to say to you, the teenagers who are listening to this podcast. The teenagers listening to this podcast. Look, the thing is, you don't have to let anyone pressure you for sex. However, if someone else wants sex... And you don't, you might not be a good pair yeah. at this point in your life. Yeah, that's what I said. That's what I said. Like, that's a perfectly fine reason and, to... And Kevin, like, specifically said, I don't want to have sex with you until marriage. Yeah. So it's not like a thing where it's like, I just need more time. I need more intimacy. Yeah. He, yeah they, 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 he, he set a boundary. And she, she said, that she, doesn't work for she me. She doesn't work for you. And they broke up. And that is fine. Um, and they also communicated it, like, really well. Well, they were angry at each other. And then Betty went and cried. Yeah. Um, Tony is... Okay, so Tony, this episode is very odd. She will float from scene to scene being some sort of... Advice angel? uh, Yeah, advice angel. And in this scene, the speed at which she'll pivot to being whatever Betty needs is 
almost to the point where it seems like she doesn't have any actual opinions of her own. Yeah. Because she's, like, talking to Bed- Tony and they're, like... Betty's like, well, we were we were talking about like you know sex, and Tony's like, you wanted to wait until marriage, and the look, the look on Betty's face is like, oh god, no. Yeah, she was so confused by that <laughs> statement. There's a moment where it's like, she's like, do I lot what? No, no, no. I he wanted to wait until marriage, and Tony's like, well, whatever. I'm like, like I. It's just funny that Tony switches up her direction. Whatever, whatever conversation, whatever direction this conversation goes, Tony is going in that direction. Honestly, in this episode, it's like the show forgot that she is a teenage colleague of these people and not a guidance counselor. No, no, she she is a 27-year-old adult who has gone to college and university in this episode and not a human being. Because everyone who's 27 <laughs> and went to college is not a human being. Look, Kevin, once I graduated university with my two degrees, I cease being a human that being. That is truly something we do not prepare the youth for. That once you graduate university or college, you are not a person. You are just a cog <laughs> in the capitalist machine. Meanwhile, Veronica visits Jughead in jail. Yeah, and Ethel's there as well. But she's not important no, in this no. scene. <laughs> Veronica's like, don't you worry. I'm going to ignore a child. I'm going to go detective all over this. <laughs> and nothing is funny to me the fact that we actually won't see it. It'll just cut to it being done. And yes. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I want. I yeah. need her to be like, don't worry. I'll get this done. And then it just gets done. I don't need to see her going and talking to D- Dr. Curdle the first. Yeah. <laughs> senior, senior. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, they do need I like Wait, doesn't this town have a coroner? And Jack is like, every town has a coroner. I, I don't know who the coroner is Look, here, but he's sh- somewhere. Sheriff Keller just doesn't know how to <laughs> law. Yeah, he sits in his office until, until some, like, <laughs> bald people roll in being like, children need to be controlled. And he's like, uh-huh. But you brought up Nora Charles, and I think that is the reason that I am super into Veronica and Jughead. Yeah. Um, Because Veronica drops a Nora Charles. Nora Charles reference yeah. and Jughead goes oh, the thin man is one of my favorite movies they, they, because they, Veronica is like a notorious name dropper referencer and Jughead's like it, it I fits, get the reference the, the thing is like it, it, this has been consistent that she drops references but Jughead calls her out on dropping references to the point that is no longer an annoying like thing she does and it just becomes such a quirk of hers like it's a more obvious quirk it's because people acknowledge it whereas it before on she the show we were things. just like shut up veronica <laughs> well, no one cares well and especially considering how sh- her and cheryl dropped references so it wasn't strong enough as this is her quirk it was a a thing that they just seem to make some of their characters do and now it's very clear that she is obviously doing it this is her quirk. for Jughead too <laughs> yeah like she does it yeah. more because of him yeah and she specifically well he says that's from the thin man I love the thin man and she's like I I could have guessed she knew what reference to do yeah she, that's how she flirts <laughs> it took a thing that we have like not been into about Veronica and made it well really good well, it's because Archie no no sold it all the time she would drop references and Archie would be like uh-huh. You're but, pretty. But because both Veronica and Jughead are so ingrained in media, yeah. they have this shared thing that her and Archie never didn't had. have. And her and Reggie were just <laughs> <laughs> So uh speaking of Archie, he arrives home to 
Molly Ringwald Andrews, again, devastated. She is... She's having a weird time this episode. So... So I guess Penelope Blossom snitched? Yeah, Penelope Blossom (laughs) immediately called Molly and was like, our kids had sex. Our kids had sex. And I... I don't like 1950s Molly Ringwald Andrews. I don't I don't know what she always seems confused by her own actions. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> like the, the actor is like well, why do I have these lines? Because normal Molly Ringwald Andrews would be like let's talk well, about this. Well, and not only that, like I I think they're trying to be like ooh, ooh this okay, so what happens in this scene is that she's like, well, I guess we're going to do we're going to have to have a a, a a dinner at the Blossoms place to talk about this. And maybe you should have thought of this before, before you... you had sex. She never asks him how, why I didn't know you were dating Cheryl. Like, how did you get yeah, there? It's... Like, and, and I, it's almost like they're trying to land this in. We have a lot of 1950s weirdness going on. Like we get that with Alice. We get a yeah. lot with like the way that people treat um, queer people. We get that with uh, the way that obviously they treat black people, but this doesn't feel like 1950s weird. Like, this doesn't feel like conservative weirdness because they're like, oh, well, you had sex once. You must marry now. Is I don't think... A th- I don't think it's a thing. It, it it's, makes it's a th- perfect sense for the Blossoms. The Blossoms, 100%. The, the thing that makes me so weird is that Molly Ringwald Andrews is going along with it like she is a puppet being pulled along by invisible strings. Do you think we needed to see her phone call with Penelope? Maybe. I I mean, we'll... We'll, we'll, we'll get to yeah. this. Yeah, so because this one goes right to the dinner and we meet uh, Clifford Blossom, who in this world is the mayor. Because, because Riverdale can never have a good mayor. <laughs> of course. We also hear that that he's good friends with <laughs> with Joe. And then we have Penelope go over to, uh, lean over to Molly Ringwald and say... That's Sandra McCarthy, you so, know, Joe McCarthy. If you needed to know if the Blossoms are bad, <laughs> they the hang show out. just told you. Yeah, they hang out with uh, McCarthyism, Red Scare McCarthy, and Clifford immediately goes off this onto like, well, Archie, what do you think about Russia? He's like, oh, it's well, bad. I think Russia's a problem. A problem? And he's like, mm, good. I like you. I like you, boy. <laughs> you remind me of your dad. You know your dad. Good red-blooded American boy. <laughs> Who died in the war like a good red-blooded poor American should. Yeah. So um, I, then I guess Molly Ringwald Andrews and Clifford will need to, like, discuss something in the other room. Just like in Titanic, they have to have cigars and reinvent the world. <laughs> yeah, he's probably, very, he's probably very upset that it's, unfortunately, he has to do with a woman. How dare. Uh, <laughs> how dare you have a dead father. Meanwhile. Uh, yeah, Cheryl and Archie do talk a little bit about the dad. Um, this cues the song from Ghost, which, like, you know, though. Unchained Melody. Just search up the song from Ghost. You'll get oh, the answer. my love. It, it, um, it was... I do actually like how the one consistent in this is the songs are anachronistic. Yes. It bugs me when the references are, but we had that weird 80s synth song when uh <laughs> when when Betty was walking towards Archie and now we have Unchained Melody which a I think lot. is from the 70s. And it's in this episode a, a lot. lot. Um and it feels ni- it feels 1950s but it's like I think you're right like a 70s or 80s I think a 70s. throwback to 1950s. Yeah, like I know that it's um 
it's in Ghost, but it was before Ghost. Yes. Uh, the 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 most thing that we have this conversation that Archie's talking about how like his and him and his dad plan to go to California and open a ranch, and it. <laughs> what was what was his mom's place in that? I guess just go with them. Well, it's like the show forgot that in the 1950s, they wouldn't have split up. I don't know. She's not probably gay in the 1950s. Um, the Or a lawyer. I, I forgot that she was gay in 2027. Um, the, um, I, I just like that they gave him kind of the backstory from Newsies. It, yeah. he, he wanted to go to Santa Fe. Yes, and, and Archie wants to go to California. He wants to go to San Jose. <laughs> So, you know, close. This is the episode where it really struck me how much older, specifically, the men on this show look. Yeah. And I'm kind of wondering if, like, Archie and Kevin got, like, you know, that buccal fat removal? Buckle? Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, Archie and Kevin both, like, their faces have, like, aggressively slimmed down. Mm, I mean, maybe. They maybe just got older. Yeah. Um, but like Archie and Kevin, I feel really, I feel like really, I feel like when you get older, the cheeks are a place that you either lose or gain a lot. Yeah, of they like sink in. Um, yeah. Cole Sprouse looks great this season, yeah. I mean, and the girls look. Yeah, uh, I mean they look great pretty much all the time. Um, it's true. So uh, this leads into a Tony and Betty to sort of cheer Betty up. Tony wanted to bring her to the dark room, but unfortunately, as soon as they get there, oh no, there's Ke- Kevin Keller slow dancing, dancing with, with Clay Walker. Yep, yep. So that's cat is out of the bag you know how the show wants to explore racism and sexuality yeah do you think because the key character in the storyline is kevin keller yeah do you think they will ever explore the fact this is like a gay interracial relationship because i'm gonna tell you it's a riverdale i mean it's it's honestly hard to tell i don't think they'll explore it well because they never do and they should because this is this could be the focus of an entire tv show yeah i mean it, yeah it's like nine it's a perfect time to do it 19 you're in the 1950s they do they are they are aware of some of that stuff i'm not gonna blame once again i'm not gonna blame them if they want to lead into show. it because it is the wrong show to do it um, so I just I'm not, think so making we, that choice, if you make that choice, honor that choice. I know, yeah, like, especially because they set that up in, in in episode one. If they had not done the setup in episode one, then I would be like, no, they should never. They, they, they don't need to address that because that's not this show. But they have set up the context of it. But the thing that infuriates me is Kevin and Moose are actually such a good couple. Yeah, I mean... Why wouldn't they bring Moose back? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe the actor's not interested. Who knows? I mean, he's the one. He came back a lot. They got Midge back. Um, anyway, Betty sees them. Yeah. So, uh, Veronica has gone the time of... She got the time of death. And that's all she needed. She's <laughs> like, hey, this time of death says that Jughead was at the party. And Sheriff Keller's like... Oh, what? Yeah, yeah but, but Ethel wasn't. But, but, <laughs> and... Bless Veronica. She's like, okay, but Jughead wasn't. So is that cell going to lock itself? Because I'm a very busy teenager. And I'm like, no, Veronica, yes. That might be the best line Veronica has ever had. I'm a very busy teenager. It's so good. (laughs) Oh, man. What is this episode doing with our relationships with these characters? (laughs) So Jughead is released and he's... He, he was able to, while he was in there, get Ethel to yeah. open up. So apparently he and Ethel could just, like, whisper to each other 
between their cells. No, they're in the same cell. They were in the same cell? Yeah. This Remember, we've seen this before. They only have oh, one real big true. cell. Yeah. I'm also, s- also, Aaron, it's a <laughs> cell. It's bars. <laughs> you can whisper between bars. I'm just saying, maybe there should have been a guard there to hear this revelation. <laughs> no, there's there's Sheriff <laughs> Keller and the two horror twins. Uh, that's true. We do know there are no police officers in Riverdale, yeah. nor will there be. Has there been no police officers ever? Yeah. Just the sheriff. So what they have learned uh, is that apparently the Ethel's. Uh, so apparently there was a there was a missing time that I did not realize was a missing time. Um, Ethel did not just like go home and then her, you know, parents were killed or something like that. She actually left to, to go, go to the, to the dance, park, which to me is striking considering what we saw in the scene before. She got out of her room. Maybe she went out the window. Um, so she went to go wait for the bus for the dance. Yes. But along came a spider and that spider is, is Reggie Julian, Matthew, Blo- Julian Blossom. <laughs> OK, th- this is why Reggie can't be in the show, <laughs> because Julian Blossom sexually assaults Ethel. Yeah. So apparently they're doing the car, the car seat cha-cha. Um, Ugh, Ethel gross. says Ethel says that she was into it for a bit and then decided I'm not into it anymore. Uh, so he left. So she you know, left and he was like, well, don't tell anyone we made out or I'll tell everyone you're a nymphomaniac. <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, you know what? Knowing the Blossoms, that is the word they would use. Yeah. They would definitely use nymphomaniac because they're insane. And I now feel like I understand A, why Reggie isn't playing this part. And also, why Jason isn't in this show. Because Riverdale wants us to think Jason Blossom, good guy. Uh, but Julian Blossom, rapist. Um. Anyway, so, yeah, uh, she, she... She went home. She, yep, she she checked. She did not want to make out with him anymore. So she went home uh, and her parents were dead. So they need Julian to essentially give the alibi. And Jughead has a great line where he's like... <laughs> God bless us. That's not going to happen. But they're going to try. All right. Betty has arrived home because another parent has snitched to another parent about their (laughs) child's relationships. These parents are too involved in their children's relationships. So not not shockingly, in the 1950s, um, Mrs. Keller did not join the army. Yeah. She just hangs out in town and is like, oh, my son Kevin's so sad because her girlfriend broke up with him. And I where don't do, even know where he is. Where did this chain of events happen? Later, we have Kevin say he went to the gym immediately and then went Ran into Clay. Clay. And then went to the dark room. Did he call his mom being like, mom? Mom, Benny broke Benny up Benny broke with up me. with me. Also, like. I don't know. It feels like that's why is that a thing Kevin would tell his mom? Kevin, I want to tell you something. <laughs> yeah. Kevin, my brother, yeah. not Kevin Keller. I think Alan Cooper, <laughs> Ellen Cooper, oh my God, Alice Cooper, yeah. I think she's stalking Kevin and Betty. Yeah, I think she found out another way. Yeah. It, it doesn't really matter. But so um, Betty is like, well, no, it's because I figured it out. Like, Kevin likes boys. We're not, we can't be, We can, he doesn't like my me me people and again riverdale yeah i know we're not stuck in the 1950s forever we're gonna move forward yeah. but you still made alice say these things yeah and we still have to see it and experience it because alice says oh lots of boys think they're gay it's just a phase that's okay in five years he's gonna want to have a wife 
And so you should be there for him, Betty. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. I mean, 1950s Alice is a stand-in for a lot of 1950s mentality around that. There's a lot. There was a lot of that, like, oh, you know, uh, it's you know, it's a phase people go through. They'll grow out of it, and then, uh, then they'll need a husband. It's it's you can marry them even yeah. if they're you know they're gay. It's fine. You can still marry. They'll still want a family. This is very accurate to the time, but the fact remains. They made Alice say this. I'm going to say. In the litany of things that Alice has said. Yeah, I'm going to say this is not one of the worst things Alice has done still. I just, I don't know how they think we're supposed to be sympathetic to her. Well, because it's 1950s Alice. Like, once again, these are different characters. I know. I'm not holding anything. That's why I was fine if in the first episode, Betty wasn't aware of racism. I I was I was even going to be fine if this episode, if she came off as a bit homophobic. Because... She is a teenager in the 1950s. No, I agree with you. The problem is the track record that Alice has had saying terrible things in the main timeline and in alternative timelines. They've given us too much. Nah, I mean she's. It's only too much if they like how much they want us to pull her back from. Well, they always want us to be on her side when she was so sad because Polly died and yeah. she was so devastated. So Betty had to stay home from the FBI. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Jughead gets back to his train car house, and when the when the police look through it, they looked through it, and they took his dog. And they away. took his dog. They took his dog. Now, he's going to have to go get a dog back. Unfortunately, he will not do it in a John Wick way. He will just have to go to the pound, I guess. <laughs> he's just going to have to deal with bureaucracy. Yeah, but unfortunately, first, we're going to have to deal with Molly Ringwald Andrews in another scene where it's so confusing. So um, <laughs> She hated talking with Clifford. She hated that dinner. She hated her private conversation that we didn't see. You, she you, has spent... You, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. You see, because he's a draft dodger. He's a war profiteer. And how is he a war profiteer? You may ask, audience. Well. <laughs> he sold his maple syrup. <laughs> At a the, premium. To the war effort during, during the, the Korean War. How, how? How did he do that? Did they need maple syrup? Did Korea cut off their maple syrup supplies? How did he sell maple syrup at a premium? <laughs> It's not even like what? it's just sugar. <laughs> no, he sold. They needed maple syrup over there. Our boys in Korea needed maple syrup. Kevin, did oh, you know? Oh, that's exactly what he did, though. He, he just <laughs> he went out to a senator and was like, our boys, they need their maple syrup. Their good home American maple syrup. That red-blooded maple syrup. Oh, yeah, no. As soon as you start putting out into, like, the general public, like, our boys don't even have maple syrup for their pancakes. And all of a sudden, the the, the general <laughs> public's like, like you know, tell, calling the president and being like, we need maple syrup for the boys. Meanwhile, the boys are like, we would like to not be at war. Hey, could we not be POWs? That would be cool. <laughs> How about instead of sending us maple syrup, you send us medicine and not war? Maybe you don't leave us in these POW camps so you can trade us for other things you want. So you can trade us for maple syrup. The <laughs> It is funny that he more profiteered <laughs> off of maple syrup. Which Love it. Perfect. Riverdale, have a sense of humor about yourself. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but Mo- Molly, Molly blames Archie 
for linking them to the Blossoms for their life. Yeah, so apparently she has always tried to avoid the Blossoms, but now she can't because Archie dared to have sex with okay, Cheryl. Okay, in this scene, no- notably, here's something you people need to know. She has never said sex all the way copulation. She's only said, you've done this. So at this moment, I was like, oh, Penelope lied and said Cheryl was pregnant. Mm. Like that makes like that, that makes way, that more, makes sense. way more sense in for a context of one being like, ex- especially 1950s context, like of being like, oh, you got her pregnant. You will have to do the right thing. But the show has to reinforce her. that because it doesn't. No, oh no, it's also not the case. I thought that's what they were going to reveal. Yeah. No, they just thought every, the, these parents just think they had sex, and even Molly Ringwald Andrews is like, no, you slept with her, and now we're going to have to marry into that family. This is your fault, boy. And look, what? I. <laughs> Look, I watched Dirty Dancing. I know the teenagers had sex in the 1950s. Well, we move right into a scene where Midge and Fangs had sex and they're not being forced to marry each other. Um, If I may, I also just want to point out a thing. And I know the show's being like 1950s parents versus 1950s teens. Yeah. At no point ever does Molly Ringwald Andrews ask Archie if he had sex. Oh, no. Yeah, no. At no point... Does she confer? I mean, he... He he would have lied. He, well, I mean, and also, like, when he first came in, he does... I guess you could make an argument that when he first came in and she said, like, you did this, he just went, oh, I, how did you hear? Like, he didn't... But she didn't ask him. I know, she didn't ask him directly. And um, Luke, which, which, Luke Perry <laughs> Andrews would have. Yeah. And I think any other Molly Ringwald Andrews, like... <laughs> Every other one in the, in the 50s Molly Yeah, would have... <laughs> Asked. Well, I, would have been on his side. Yeah. I mean, my thing is just it's insane that because how much she hates the hates the blossoms, she is still in agreement that because you had sex, you have to get married. Um, so he, he's funny. He does bring up, "Are we too young to get married?" But apparently, uh, Doctor Werther's Has, is going to do a test to make is, sure they're compatible. And this test is called. The Cupid's Checklist. That is, I, I wonder if that's a real thing. Probably is. Uh, the, so this moves right into a funny thing talking about pregnant. Uh, apparently, Midge is late. Yep. And not late to school, mind you. And Midge and Fangs, I guess, are super in love. I, They've been dating a lot. I was really hoping we wouldn't check in with them again. And I just wanted, once per episode, we just have Midge and Fangs doing this other story in the background, <laughs> like, going through stuff. Because literally it, literally, it goes from this scene, and we are, like, halfway into the episode at this point. Smash cut, Midge being like, Fangs, I'm late. And Fangs being like, don't worry, we're going to figure this out. Come on. And they go inside. And I wanted to never see them again this episode. <laughs> and then we check in next episode and something else is happening. Because that's been the sequence so oh, far. Oh, totally. <laughs> but unfortunately, they will have a storyline. But Ugh. first, Veronica and Jughead are going to go confront um, Julian. Julian Blossom. And Julian's all like, ooh, I can't tell anyone I tried to seduce Ethel because it's unseemly how inappropriate she is. And she turned me down. I would turn down by a woman that I didn't even want to be with. She's not even that hot. I didn't want to be with her. And then Jughead goes full serpent Jughead. He goes Archie on him. It is inside his soul. Yeah, he just... (laughs) 
he one he shots Julian, and Julian's like, <sighs> and Jughead's like, no, buddy, are you gonna not suck? You gonna <laughs> you gonna tell them? To be at this point, he's shouting out in the hallway. <laughs> you're gonna tell them about Ethel. So it's hard for it's gonna be hard for Julian to to, to you know <laughs> backpedal. Backpedal. That. Anyways, and he doesn't. He goes and he tells his part to Keller, and Ethel will. The Coopers will have to sign Ethel out because an has, adult has to an sign an her. Adult out. has to do it out because she is sixteen. All right. Uh, so that's good. Yeah, I also <laughs> did want to punch Julian. So thank you, Jughead. Yeah. All right. So now we have the Cupid's checklist. It is three questions. three questions, and they will be asked by once again the most intimidating not intimidating upsetting man. He's a very bad man. <laughs> How does he say things that are not not scary and not gross in such gross ways. So he begins with the first question. Which is, do you two have similar backgrounds? She was like, we are descended from the barons and baronesses of Europe. And I'm like, mm, so you, you ran when the peasants were going to kill you. Okay. Good. That's definitely what that was. Yep. <laughs> and then Archie's like, my grandfather barely survived the Dust Bowl. And Werther's is like, cool, you're both Close right. enough. <laughs> yeah, that's really what it comes down to. Um, are you close friends? And are she, they side-eye each other for a while. Goes, I think I get along with everyone. And then finally, <laughs> do, you, do you understand the concept of marriage? So so just be clear. The questions are, are you both white? Let's be clear. Yep. Um, do you know each other? Do you understand what marriage is? And if not, I'll probably explain it and then you'll understand it. Because their answers make it very clear that they do not. And he goes, hmm. Well, so, God, he says says to Archie, you'll have to remain faithful, even though it goes against our nature as men. I'm like, what? What? Look, Archie, there's a lot of hot girls out there, but Cheryl will listen to you talk about how hot those girls are and give you food. So you, you, oh, if marriage. you keep him fed, it'll keep his eye. From, his conversation is Archie will want to cheat because he should cheat, but he won't as long as you keep him happy. Marriage. Gross. <laughs> Thanks. And you know what? <laughs> Unfortunately. I feel like horrifyingly accurate to the 1950s. Yeah, but apparently they're compatible. You know why? Because they both have red hair. Why is Molly Ringwald Andrews just hanging out with Penelope in the middle of the day? Molly Ringwald Andrews, you leave. Once again, again, everything we see her in, she feels like she doesn't understand what's happening. When she tells you that that she's compatible, Molly's like, oh, oh, they, they are? I'm like... Why would you let it go this far? Was your was your hope that that somehow this stupid test would, would fail? <laughs> Look, here's the thing. She has nothing tying her to this town. Molly Ringwald Andrews, you pack up and you move your teenage son to like Boston. Or you just say, "No, you weird psychopaths." Just if, Archie, it feels let, like she's being threatened. Yeah, that's the thing. It's in the 1950s. Archie can just say, Cheryl lied, and everyone will believe him <laughs> that, that because he's he, a man. Do he doesn't want they, they They do clarify that Archie he doesn't want to. Archie's not saying anything. He, do, he believes he is protecting Cheryl, even if that means going into a loveless marriage. But here's the thing. Molly Ringwald Andrews, as the mother of the boy, yeah. 
could also say Cheryl's lying. Yeah, like there's And people would listen to her because her son is a boy. Well, yeah, I mean the, the 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 only thing that we could possibly have which we didn't even realize till they got there is that is the mayor of town. Yes. So he so we could make an argument that he's going to put pressure on it. But he doesn't seem to be putting any pressure onto it. No. Nope. And maybe that would have made this fit a bit, bit more if Molly Ringwald Andrews was like, no. He's the mayor. They have so much power over us. Yeah. Well, because then that's also Archie protecting his mom. Which Archie would love to do. So the theme continues. Meanwhile. Uh, yeah, meanwhile, we got to check out on this scene. Now, let's just do this entire one. So okay. Tony so Tony and – so Fangs has taken Mitch to talk to Tony, a 27-year-old woman. Because Tony has all of the answers. The things is like, Mitch is pregnant. And Tony's like, well, we got to confirm that. So come join me in the biology lab. Tony is in too involved in everybody's life. At least Fangs is like a close friend of hers. So so they go to the bi- biology lab in the middle of the nighttime. And <laughs> they are going to do test. the toad test. Yeah. But not the real toad test. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a little bit different. But the real toad test is if you rub the urine of a pregnant woman on a toad it will die no this this is the hodgins test the hodgins test is you inject a a woman's urine into a frog if the frog lays eggs the woman is pregnant now you may be out there might be forgiven for thinking that this is some riverdale nonsense this is very real. No, I thought it was real, but I thought it killed the toad. No, 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 no. There's ones for rats and um, mice that killed oh, them. Oh, okay. This one was, they, they moved to this one because it didn't kill the toad. Not only that, it is 99.8% reliable. I could have I could have sworn it was like incredibly reliable, but it did involve animal murder. No, that, there was other ones that involved okay. animal murder. This I'm is just misremembering. This is the non-animal murder one. Uh, but it, no, this is very much a real test that they did because because they didn't have pregnancy tests and, and, and it sucks to be a woman in the 1950s and, well, well i think this is amazing because like it is highly reliable like they 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 did this they have a test that involves like animals that was super super reliable and until they you, invented um pee on stick yeah. tests and let me tell y'all that toad he lays so many eggs it, it's so funny cuz it sounds like it sounds like a like one of those old wives tales things where it's like, yeah. oh, you want to get rid of cholera? Take a chicken and tie it to your neck and then stand beneath the full moon and spit into a river. Except for if that worked. Well, and I could have sworn it was real. I thought they just took the death out, but I just misremembered. Yeah, no, no. There's there's other ones that do require te- deaths, but they but this one was always preferred because you could keep and use the frog multiple times. Yeah. There's also another one where you could use a male frog and it would do a different thing, but they are both the only thing they didn't like about it is it took 12 hours to do. Also, they didn't have to do it in the biology lab because all they needed was a syringe and a toad well, and some pee. I assume the toad was in the biology lab. Where else would they get a toad from? I don't know. A lake? <laughs> all right. Meet me by the lake. We're going toad catching. Anyway, Midge is very pregnant. Midge is very pregnant. So, so Tony t- gives some next advice, which is like, hey, Fangs, go clean yourself up because you're not white and you're a greaser, and you're poor, I mean, but you got to go ask this white, rich, non-poor greaser woman's parents to let you marry her. Yeah, t- once again, Tony is weird with her advice. Um, it doesn't work, and Tony's like, 
I didn't think it was going to work. Well, don't well, don't worry. Here's what we'll do. In four months, we'll make you rich and famous. Because so, then, then they'll want you to marry their daughter. So don't hang out with Midge for four months because she's not going to show right away anyway. Her, Tony's plan, Tony's plan is to just make, just, just simply make a small town boy. Into Elvis. Into Elvis. She is 16 years old and is also a small town girl. This they are living in a lonely world. Who runs a coffee shop is going to no, make the next there's, Elvis. There's no evidence she runs that coffee shop. Oh, you're right. She just, just goes go there. there. You assume she ran the coffee shop. Because she's a 27-year-old guidance counselor. No, she is a 16-year-old who's still in high school. She has no... She has no... She has... What is happening here? I... This... This episode has made me like Cheryl and what Cheryl's going through and dislike Tony. Because Tony's like we a weird, flawless angel just floating around being like, we're going to turn you into Elvis. And look, we already have an angel. Her name is Tabitha. And yes. we don't know where she and is. And she is un, or re-furl, unfurling, unfurling or refurling. Some sort of furling is happening to time. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah. Betty goes to visit Kevin Keller yeah. in the music room and she's like, hey, buddy. Fortunately, she was not manipulated by, by Alice. Alice. There was a chance there, though. Look, 1950s Betty, though not being as progressive as modern day Betty, is not tricked by her mom at any time. I mean, it helps that she read the sex book. She read the so, sex book. So she does reaffirm to Kevin that they are still friends. She does not think their relationship was a mistake it's just not romantic and he does try to be like oh me and clay we were just joking and she's like no buddy you're you are i read i read read chapter 20 i understand it's Um, very sweet uh this is moves on to archie and cheryl kind of hanging out of pops they have some awkward milkshakes yeah archie and cheryl are like really trying hard to be excited archie's like marriage will be okay Archie's like, i mean i like the thought of marriage and you're a really cool person um, and she's like, yeah, hey, uh, maybe if you write me a poem, we'll fall in love. Now, he will not try to write this poem. He will try to write this poem. Oh, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He, he writes it for someone else. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I actually quite like the Archie and Shell story because they're both just two people just trying, like they're two teenagers trying their best at very difficult situation. And all Cheryl wanted was to pretend she had a boyfriend. Yes. And this all spiraled wildly out of her control. <laughs> yeah. And unfor- and because Archie's a sweet guy, he's being pulled into it. And because he's a very sweet guy, he will actually make do the one thing that I did not think was possible. Cheryl legitimately feels bad for another person. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, uh, Jughead and Veronica are uh, pretty, also in pops. Also in pop, just like down a little bit, um, and they're pretty happy over they're able to help Ethel. They, they make they make a good detective team, and I honestly, well, we do like Betty and Jughead detectives. Veronica Jughead detectives are fun because they have a such a different vibe. They're, they're like an opposite to track kind of vibe, but with like certain things that really bind them together. Well, and I always think it's fun when a female detective is willing to like lean into her femininity to get things done. Yeah. The, and Veronica would do that. So like I'm, the, I'm, 
I'm of the mind that I still think Veronica, because we know about Veronica, and even I do feel like with the setup of these last three episodes, maybe not as strong because we don't have the entire seasons, but we do have to think at some point this is going to tie into the rest of it. Yeah. Um, I still think Veronica's best ending is being alone and figuring out that she needs to figure out herself first. Yes, I agree. I would, I would say... Veronica and Jughead are honestly a pretty good backup second choice. They really are. I'm surprised, honestly, how much... Their chemistry is well, insane. And they bring out really cool things about each other. I Mostly, honestly, mostly Jughead brings out cool things out of Veronica. Yeah. Um, we get things from her that we don't normally get. Even when she was trying to be cool mafia person, yeah. we didn't quite get what we're getting here. Well, and I feel like Ver- Jughead with Veronica is a little bit more fun and, like, we're on an adventure, whereas with Betty, it was always, like, deeply serious detective <laughs> yeah. work. It's it also, like, Jughead... Jughead, both Jughead and Archie are down to earth, but they're down to earth in different ways because Archie is sort of, like, passively a good guy. Yeah. Jughead is actively, I need to make the world a better place, and that is something that Veronica kind of has to, like, go along with. So speaking to that, Veronica and Jughead have their awkward milkshakes. Yeah. And then um, Veronica's like, would you walk me home? And he's like, oh, I got to go back to my... No, no, no. He's like, I have to sleep at Pop Tate's tonight. Oh, yeah, because I can't... Because my train car has been destroyed. She's like, I have such a big house. No one lives there, Jughead. It takes her a bit of time to convince him because he's like, oh, I couldn't. That's too fancy for me. I couldn't be there. She's like... No, I'll give you the cheap sheets. You'll just say in the part of the house that I've never been to. I will not look at you. You will not hear me. Just be in my house. Please live in a house, Jughead. He's like, okay. <laughs> so in the morning, he made her like a massive breakfast. And she says she usually only has half a grapefruit and coffee, which is so 1950s I could scream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I also think that maybe she also, like, doesn't actually have... Like, I don't think Smithers cooks her breakfast. No, and I don't think she knows how to cook. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so they're going to have their breakfast. Jughead is decided that he's going to skip school today because he's got to go get his dog from the pound and fix up his train car house. And Veronica's like, oh, I know how to fix houses up. I know how houses work. I know what houses are. You get your dog. I'll fix your house. <laughs> this is... Veronica... This is the thing. Like, Veronica has done things for Archie, but the thing that she does for Jughead feels so earnest and doesn't feel like it is secretly for her. Even though she's definitely doing it to impress him, it doesn't come off like, oh, this is for me, really. No, she's just like, I know about houses. I can do this. Yeah, it's, it's crazy that, like... It's just working so well with Veronica's doing. And I don't know if it's, I don't know what it was in the earlier seasons that just didn't make it work with Archie. Do you think it's about Cole Sprouse? Because I mean, he's Lily Reinhardt, Betty also was like, mer with Archie and like insanely good with Jughead. I mean, that, that could be it. Honestly, the, um, the Archie and Cheryl this time, they also have a decent amount of chemistry, but it's awkward because you know the restaurant situation, but you got like these people who you can see do have a bit of a connection, connection. but it's not fully there. I, I don't know. I don't know, I don't what, know it what it is, but I am so this episode. I was so obsessed with Jughead and Veronica. Like I was really into it. Jughead uh, is real. So speaking about Archie and this whole situation, Betty has now learned about it. So we get a little bit of Archie's, point of view so in case we forgot archie and betty are best friends they are she lives next door yeah and um he thinks 
He thinks that solving Cheryl's problems will help him figure out who he should be and his place in the world. Once again, I don't know why characters have to say these things about themselves. It's kind of like when Veronica was too aware of her own issues. I already got the idea. Archie wants to protect Cheryl because he is a person who protects people. He His dad is gone. Yeah. He's trying to protect everybody. This is who Archie has always yeah. been and, and he, will always yeah, be. And we've even seen it in this season. He does have another amazing line where Betty's like, but do you love her? And he's like, I could love her. Love grows. Dr. Werther showed me a graph. <laughs> the graph starts when you're 17 and <laughs> peaks when you're 21. <laughs> he showed me a graph of love. He showed me a love graph. Dr. Werther's has a love graft. A love graft. A love graft baby. So um, <laughs> Betty does bring up there's a difference between loving someone and saving someone. And Archie's like... I don't think that's true. (laughs) That's a lie. So uh, he goes with Cheryl to uh, meeting. They have a meeting with Clifford. They're going to get married like in Thornhill. He has their entire life planned out. This is so cute because Archie and Cheryl hung out at Pop Tates for long enough to decide they wanted to have a tiny ceremony at Niagara Falls. Yeah. yeah. And Clifford's like, F that. Justice of the peace. What? What? I wasn't going to be honest. You can't have a tiny ceremony at Niagara Falls. I mean, I guess maybe, I don't know, maybe it's different in the 50s. Niagara Falls is always busy. It's true. You will have. Randos will be at your wedding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, Clifford has the entire life uh, planned out. So Archie's going to get a part-time job at the factory. And then when he graduates, he'll get a full-time job mm-hmm. in the management training program. Then he'll run the factory. Yeah. And Cheryl can't go to university. No, no. She gets to learn how to run a household. Because yeah. they're going to live in the Blossom you, House. You know, Archie also doesn't get to go to university <laughs> or oh, no. college. Uh, because he doesn't need to. Because now Clifford has an heir. No. But Julian, no. 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 Julian's dead. Wait, no, that was Jason. Julian's trash. I want a son who's not trash. You don't look like trash, Archie. Your hair is so red. <laughs> so is Julian's. Nah, yours is you're, it's you're redder. Look, you die. Your, your jawline, it's so strong. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Veronica has, oh, this is very cool. Veronica has changed Jughead's train car into like a high end sweet train car. Oh, it's the Orient Express. And Jughead's like, whoa, <laughs> this is wild. When she leaves and he just like pings the <laughs> some chandeliers. It's crazy. Um, it's also crazy that at no point Veronica asks, why do you live in a train car? She's like, oh, okay. I do like how she, once again, she's known Jughead for like a cup a week, couple weeks maybe yeah, at this yeah. point. Um, she is no, to be fair, that's a hard thing to broach. So now that we're like, you know, we're kind of vibing. I fixed your train car. Where are your parents and loved ones? Look, Veronica also doesn't have parents. <laughs> yeah, so maybe maybe that. Uh, <laughs> into something that's a bit uh, more unfortunate. Alice has found the human sexuality book, and Betty is slowly learning <laughs> not to trust her mom. Oh that's, that, is, uh, that is Betty's arc of this episode is do not trust Alice. The best line in this scene is Alice is like, why are you reading this book? And Betty goes, I don't know, because all the advice you give me is backwards and nonsensical. (laughs) I'll show you backwards and nonsensical. Uh, Ethel will reveal it's her. She ordered it from a catalog. And then then Betty will steal the book. She grabs it and goes, I'm not done reading it. And then like goofy, like like wackety sax plays. (laughs) She runs off. She runs up the stairs. Like what? Wait, what What was that music cue? What just happened? (laughs) So dumb. All right, so Archie 
Archie has a plan. He has looked at a postcard of California, where Cheryl has looked at a postcard of Niagara Falls. And Cheryl's postcard like was post- not sent to her by anyone. She bought it. I feel like, yeah, so she could look at it, sadly. I didn't realize Niagara Falls was, like, an important thing to her. It's like they just had to give her something to look at. They're like, what's near New York? And Niagara so, Falls. So they both realize that it has gone too far. Unfortunately, Archie doesn't quite realize it enough. So Archie... Is Archie. Yeah, he's like, hey, this isn't working. And Cheryl's like, I agree. We should this, break up. This this isn't going well. And he's like, yeah, yeah, cool. We should elope. <laughs> like, we should elope out west to where California. I will become a cowboy. I'll be a ranch hand. And like, we'll, we'll figure it out. I'm like, Archie, once again, Archie's stuck in the mode of I need to protect this person. And Cheryl... Because I think Cheryl was so ready to be like, yeah, you're right. I guess I should. Ju- we should just tell them that like nothing happened. She just but still as, says, but yeah, as soon you're as right. he went, we'll elope and we'll run away and I'll work at a ranch. She's like, okay. So the pro- the problem is Cheryl's parents do still suck. Yeah, and the abuse. I mean, this is known. The abuse that the Blossoms have heaped upon Cheryl. Yeah. is a lot yeah. in the 1950s, in 2022. Yeah. We haven't seen much of the 1950s, but there's connotations. It's we there. Can, we can guess. Um, but Archie, I think, genuinely thinks she will die within like a week if he doesn't do something. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, he. She was very worried in that scene, so he is under the impression that, like I need to protect her now. Tony overhears this, so I guess she'll have to do something about that. But first, Betty's got to be like, "Hey, Kevin, I'm visiting you again. Here's now the- I know what gay men are." <laughs> Here's the pin back. You can give it to maybe Clay. And then he's like, no, 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 that's, that, that's your mom's. And Betty's like, excuse me? What? <laughs> Hold you, on. What? You, you called my mother when we were having no. relationship problems? No, no, no. Your mother called me. And Betty's like, what? What? <laughs> so, like, she it's funny, like, goes <laughs> to her mom. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> take like, the pin back. Mother. What the what? Yeah, Ethel, Ethel's been sent to the Quiet Mercy. The, the the pin is going all around. And Alice is once again doing that like, no, no, no. I'm trying to protect you because the world is terrible. Also, like, oh, I burned your book because you didn't learn the lessons of 2022, Betty. I, I would say that like even Alice, the, the way that they're doing it works better because like she was doing terrible things to Betty. But she's doing it under the impression of, I need to protect you, and the only way to protect you is to keep you in a box. Mm-hmm. And that is, don't get me wrong, un- it's not a good way to protect someone. But it's, but it's better a, than other well, Alice's. No, no, it's a rational thing for someone who believes that way to do. She, let's be let's be honest, Hal's probably some form of a serial killer. Yep. She's not in a happy relationship. Yep. And probably what she saw is, oh, Kevin is probably gay, but also a nice guy. He's not going to abuse you. Well, he is he is the best you can hope for. And she has decided that this like I'm gonna protect you by doing this and not like actually protecting her. Well, She's wrong. And 1955 Alice probably still has a Charles. Yeah. So she still get did get pregnant out of wedlock in like the 1930s. Yeah, maybe. Wait, no. Oh God, timelines. Don't worry about it. So, um, they're not they're not fifty anymore. So, uh, yeah. What has happened here? 
<laughs> is um, chaos. Tony has now visited uh, Cheryl because to Tony her about needs running to, away. Tony needs to get involved in more people's life. Tony, this is the perfect moment of remembering that Tony is not a teenager because she says, "No, I was you, Cheryl. I'm like you two are the same." Age, And she will just keep reinforcing to Cheryl that no matter how far she runs or where she goes, she can't escape it's, who she is. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult scene in the sense that because, like, they're trying to play this and a later conversation as, like, this is Tony trying to help Cheryl um, come out. But it just doesn't, it feels very self-serving on Tony's part. Because, because once again, she has known Cheryl for like a few days. Yeah, she decided that Cheryl would support her Emmett Till campaign, and then, and then she has aggressively flirted with her to the point that Cheryl had a breakdown. Yeah, Cheryl was uncomfortable and left the space so where Cheryl, she was being aggressively pursued. And then, she, then because she was being aggressively pursued, she faked having sex with Archie, trying to get her parents off of her back because they. I don't because know blossoms because of blossoms. Like, I'm not going to blame this on Tony, but Tony does need to chill out and someone needs to tell Tony to chill out. It's kind of like Tony is the Cheryl that's, in this timeline. That's what I mean. Like, how did they do this where I'm like, we pivoted so hard that now I like Cheryl, but I dislike Tony. And it just feels like Tony's being like, what you need to do is stay, is stay here. Figure out that you're into girls and then be with me. Well, and, it, you know, you contrast this to, like, the very respectful way that Clay approached Kevin last yeah. episode. Where he flirted with him, but he did not, like... He, he never said, Kevin, you're gay. He was just like, hey, here are things about me. Yeah. And, and, and I think, think... about that. And I would say that the vibe, like, he... they When they first met each other, there was tension. There was, like, chemistry. Eyes, chemistry. Tony did not have that with Cheryl. Tony Tony met Cheryl in the bathroom with Betty, and Cheryl was very standoffish. Mm-hmm. And then she met her again when she confronted her to get the tickets, and just when Mealy was like, you want to ask me to the... To the dance? And Cheryl was like, ooh! Yeah, it doesn't... And Tony was like, that means you want to F me. Yeah, like... I don't know if it it she it doesn't feel respectful. It doesn't feel respectful. All right. Uh. So F. So we already did that. Ethel's been said there. Archie yeah. is at the bus station, and which he, we have some. We have just figured out some alignment here. The bus station is across from Pops, which we know this because the lonely highway. <laughs> the lonely highway goes by also, Pop Tates. Well, I also think this bus station is this is the firehouse. It's got those big oh, firehouse doors. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Archie bought bus tickets for him and Cheryl to yes. leave, and then she rolls up in the convertible, like, hey, and he's so confused. I thought we were going to take the bus. Are we going to take the convertible? Look, what I I, I got to say this. Like, yeah. this scene is very cute. It's very sweet. We'll talk about it. Yeah. I really needed Cheryl to pay Archie for the bus tickets. <laughs> I was so worried about Archie's finances this entire scene. I needed her to give him some cash for those tickets. <laughs> that is... <laughs> No, I I just need to know that at some point Cheryl like Venmo's Archie. Because well, Archie is so poor and Cheryl is so rich and it was a plot point earlier. I just need to know that he didn't lose all the money for those tickets. Oh, I'm, I'm sure she sent him an envelope with some money in it. <laughs> Actually, I, I'm also sure yeah. she did. But this, in the most dramatic way possible. Yeah, but I mean, the, the, they, would really, they would really ruin the, um, the tension <laughs> of the scene where she's like, Archie, you're so great. And like, she has these lines which are like, like, 
she's she's both trying to protect her own emotions and his emotions. Or she's like, I need to stand up and do my own thing. Like Archie doesn't really grasp the situ- what's going on. Yeah, like Archie was only doing this for her, and he's and she's like trying to keep. They're they're both still pretending that they love each other, mm-hmm. even when they're breaking up. And I think for I don't know why I like it so much, um, but it would be funny that at the end she's like, "Hey, you know, uh, we were so great together, but I don't think it's going to work out. I think I need to stay here, and you do what I'm going to do. Here's twenty dollars <laughs> for those tickets that you bought. Uh, but instead, she makes." Uh, a, and, des- a decision based on nothing. Yeah, this is an in- so it's correct for the show. Not it correct is for an her. Insane thing for Cheryl to know. Yeah, she's like, well, what you should do? Maybe you should write that poem for someone else, like the girl next door. <laughs> it's like, wait, how did she know about Betty? That's as did Tony as, tell her? As far as Cheryl knows. Veronica is Archie. Yeah, person. Veronica was the last one that Archie's going out. There's. What? And, like, we know as the audience that Betty liked Archie and was very sad when he went to the dance with Cheryl. Yeah. But But, there's no way Cheryl knows that. Veronica knows that. Tony knows that. I think. I think Tony knows that. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of Tony. Yeah. More Unchained Melody. (laughs) follows this up by going to the dark room to be like, Tony, I didn't leave. And Tony's like, cool. Please read the sapphic romance novel. (laughs) And then, but do it for you, not th- for me. But then tell me like, what you think about it and what it makes you feel. I'm like, Tony. Come up and see <laughs> least, me sometime. At least Kevin got like a sex book, like on like a that clinical. taught him things. <laughs> you're, you're giving Cheryl a smutty romance? There's no way that's going to be accurate to what actually. It's like being like, hey, Kevin, you need to learn how to woo Betty. Here is. A Harlequin romance novel. Look, that book that uh, Tony gave to Cheryl is going to teach you the only way two women can have sex is scissoring. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be great. Um, so Archie is writing a poem for Betty. I do like in this episode, in these last couple episodes, Archie just hit every single girl on this swing. And that's perfect. That's perfect Archie So comics. Archie. So he heads downstairs with his piece of loose leaf paper that yeah. he rich, ripped out of his notebook that's yeah. all folded up. I assume he was going to like fold it up and like shove it under her door. But then he sees a suitcase in their entranceway. And then here comes a character. <laughs> it's Uncle Frank. And he has traded in an astounding beard for an excellent mustache. And he says that he... I'm here to knock some heads. And I think I should start with yours. I'm like, what is happening? And I am... Did Molly Ringwald Andrews call in him to beat up the Blossoms so they wouldn't marry Archie? Yeah, I'm confused about the emotions and the dynamics of this scene. Is the next episode going to be him like, I heard you had sex with a girl! And he's going to be like, actually, we didn't. And that Frank's was a lie like, we did. He's going to be like, oh, I don't know why I'm here. Okay, cool. <laughs> I guess I'm going to go live in Jughead's room, which is also your... <laughs> Charging station? I don't know. It's a season one reference. <laughs> what is? What are the rooms in this house? I, I, maybe I'll maybe I'll go outside. I think Jughead was saying outside. Not now. He was saying outside sixty-seven years in the past, in the future. <laughs> but then, like Archie is so excited that Frank is there, and Frank is so ominous. The tone in this. Scene I mean, is no, insane. admittedly, what I'll say about Frank is that Frank has always had an air of ominousness around him. <laughs> That's true. Despite being historically a very nice guy, except for when he's mind controlled. Oh yeah, and also the time where he was a sleeper cell. Uh, no, he 
he wasn't a sleeper cell. A sleeper cell came at him. <laughs> well, that's he right. He was part of a super mercenary group. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this moves to our last pair we got to check in, which is that Veronica and Jughead. And they're pretty sad about Ethel because Jughead's like, oh, failed Ethel. I'm she got sp- sent to this weird, creepy brainwashing nun. They do experiments on people. And Veronica's like, but we did get her out of jail, though. Yeah, and like we can fix more of it. Like we we can do anything, and they what including what they can do is kiss. <laughs> it's really good. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I'm still fervent on my way of I think it should end, but this is a pretty good backup, and it's unfair of how honestly engaging their relationship is. Yeah, God, show how did you do this to us? All right, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. For this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where Logic was just like really confused by every single scene they were in and every single line they had to say? I did. And shocking against shocking, it's not about Molly Ringwald Andrews. <laughs> I'm sorry. It makes absolutely zero sense that Ethel is there for the fight between Betty and Alice. And that Ethel reveals the book is hers and she got it from a catalog. That I think, only happened so the show came up with an excuse to send her away. Yeah, it was just so that Alice could be like, oh, right, Ethel's here and I hate her. Okay. <laughs> like, logically, Betty was doing fine in that fight. Yeah. She did not need Ethel to help her. No. Ethel as a character is not someone to, like, put her neck out. No, it was just to remind Alice that <laughs> Ethel Alice was that there. She, which is funny because before... Al- Ethel was arrested. She had already contacted social services. But that's the thing. Like, Alice could have been like, oh my god, I can't believe we had to get Ethel out of jail. We can't have a jailbird in this house. You're a sweet, innocent girl, Betty. Get that jailbird out of here. <laughs> they, I mean, I think this we might have added more complications than necessary. They could have also had, like, oh, Adel needs to go get her. And Jack would be like, oh, well, we'll, like, we'll go get hold of the Coopers. But, like, Social Security gets there first or something and sends her Or off. they even could have, they could have avoided the Coopers altogether. They could have been like, an adult needs to sign her out. So we called the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. I think I think we still need it. We still needed Alice to be at fault for sending. I have to imagine what's coming yes. up. We need Alice to be at fault. You're probably right. Alice probably does have to Because probably suck. Betty has to blame Alice for whatever's going to happen. You're probably right. This See, this is all stuff it's, that it's, is it's, like it is funny the illogical way they... <laughs> but drives the drama of the storyline Yeah, line yeah it is funny that, that Alice was like, Alice was like, I ordered it from a catalog. Why? No more questions. <laughs> Betty's just going to steal the book and run up the stairs. <laughs> Betty could also order it from a catalog. Like, Ethel <laughs> literally gonna... had one line. There was no, like, oh, my God, I can't believe you brought this into our house. I think, I think Betty all... literally just stole the book and ran up the stairs. For real, I think she only had one line this episode. I think other times she was just <laughs> there, silent. Oh, my God. Did you find a CW moment? Yes. Um... I'm, it's kind of the entire storyline, but I'm going to give up to the scene where they inject pee into a frog. Um, that didn't have that, to happen. She could have just been pregnant. I don't understand the Fangs Mitch storyline. Like, if the if Fangs' arc is that he's going to need to be a rich and famous Elvis-like rock and roll legend, that is too aggressive of a storyline to happen in the as the C plot, 
Like it's too, it's too much. The the like the the rise of a new star should not be relegated to C. I will argue though, it could be F if we just check in once per episode and it's just hey, Fangs and Midge were making out. No, Fangs flirted with Midge. Fangs and Midge were making out. Uh, Fangs and Midge went to the uh, went to the party together. Oh, Midge is pregnant. Oh, oh they're, 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 he's gonna uh, support her. Oh, now he's a rock and roll, and now he's gonna be a rock and roll legend. Oh, now he is a rock and <laughs> yeah, roll legend. Wait, oh, now he now he's fallen from grace, and Midge is angry at, angry at him. Oh, now he has a drug problem, and it's just like single thirty second <laughs> scenes every single episode. That's the thing. Either this is the point of the TV show, <laughs> or it's a hilarious backplot. It's like when it's like in Community in that episode where. Abed is delivering, it's like meeting a, a pregnant woman and getting in a fight with her boyfriend and, and delivering a baby, baby at the end of the episode. And then like several episodes later, he references it. Yeah, like that. that is what I wanted to see. Yeah. But oh, inst- instead, this feels like some somebody, you know, had this cool, knew this thing about this test that they did and they wanted to show it off. And also, it's like during COVID, the actor who plays Fangs realized he could sing and the show was like, oh, we're doing something with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe that. So, um, audience, how do you guys feel about the 1950s? Are you as high on it as... Okay, we hate... <laughs> In if, general, what's your feeling on 1950s no, America? Okay. If you listen to my other podcast, Academy vs. Audience... You're, you're right in the 1950s. 1950s is the worst decade. <laughs> so Bad time if, for movies. So if you feel like the 1950s is the worst decade and full of racism, tell us on the social media. It's Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA. And y'all, we might be the only Riverdale podcast left. So give us your ratings, reviews, and subscriptions on Apple Podcast or your podcaster of choice. And a quick note for uh, next week. Uh, Aaron is headed out of town for a little bit. So you'll be wondering what's going to happen with these next couple episodes. Well, we're going to have a special guest. Yeah, the episodes will exist. They, they will happen. Uh, they will be there. Uh, but we are going to have a special guest joining us for those Ooh. episodes. So... You know, it'll be there'll be a different vibe, and it'll be very interesting, <laughs> interesting to go through. I'm excited to listen. But until then, uh, you can catch my books. They're available at kevinweirdbooks.com, and I'm over at aflimsyplan.com. We'll see all of you next week. Why is Frank in town? How will Cheryl protect herself from her family? Who killed Ethel's parents? Answer all this and more on the next episode of Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A teen drama fan cast. <laughs>